Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Awesome, awesome. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to bring this word. And guys, I I just can't let this go by without um, making a quick shout out. Um, My parents are in the room this morning. They flew all the way from South Carolina to be here with us today. Can y'all give them a warm welcome? Such a joy for me to have them here with us. But as Jonathan said, I was able to share this message about a month ago with our women as they were kicking off our fall Bible study. And I'm really excited about this fall Bible study because it's a study on the book of Jonah. And I was in this book all summer and I just cannot tell you how amazing this book is. I know I've read this as a little girl. I know I went, my first time I experienced the book of Jonah was probably in Sunday school when I was about six or seven years old. And do you guys remember like the flannel graphs that they used to have in the Sunday school rooms. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Now we have fancy projectors and TVs and veggie tails and all the things, but um, we had that flannel graph. And so you had Jonah, the little icon of Jonah, next to what, what was next to him? A big, big fish, right? And so the whole point of my message today is, guys, if you're like Jonah, you disobey God, then he's gonna send a big fish to eat you. That's pretty much what I learned as a six-year-old, but no, I'm just kidding. The story of Jonah is such a powerful story. It's a story of God's redemption, God's unending compassion for people. It's a story of God's provision and care. And as you dive into it, you see God working through Jonah's life to reach a people that do not know him and do do not know God and do not serve God. It's an incredible, incredible book. So if you're a woman in the room and you've not signed up for Bible study, there's still time to jump in on Wednesday mornings. Do that, jump into that. It's gonna be an amazing, amazing study. But this morning, we're gonna focus on two verses only. We're gonna take kind of a 10,000 foot view over the book of Jonah. And so you're gonna be happy that you're at church because we're only going through two verses where this guy usually goes through an entire book of the Bible in 25 weeks. We're gonna go through the book of Jonah just shortly in about 28 minutes. So if you have a Bible, open up with me to Jonah chapter one, verses one through two. And this is what the word of the Lord says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is Life Interrupted. Life Interrupted. God interrupted Jonah's life and he told Jonah to go to a place he didn't wanna go to help people that he did not want to help with a message that was a message of repentance that was very unfavorable that these people did not want to receive in order that they would turn back to Jesus or they would turn back to God, Yahweh, and they would put their faith in him. And so Jonah's life got interrupted with God's plans. And what we can see and glean from this verse is that God always works, especially in the interruptions of our lives. I don't know about you, but I hate interruptions. 
I like a plan. Anybody else in here like a plan? Like you like to know what's coming. You don't like surprises. Yes, I'm the same way. I don't like interruptions. And being a mom of two, I'm interrupted all day long. There has got to be something that I'm planning on doing and then the kids come up with another plan and then we have to shift and adjust. But I also was thinking when I was going through this book, I was thinking of a different interruption, one that happened when I was in high school and actually ended up kind of being an interruption for five years straight. And I'm not gonna name any names, but it was this one boy I dated in high school and he might be sitting on the front row over here who interrupted my life over and over and over again. We were that typical, if you knew us in high school, we were that typical on-again, off-again relationship. So my parents never knew, like, do we, do we love Jonathan or are we, like, not team Jonathan today? Like, what team are we on, right? I drove them crazy. We drove them crazy. But we were on again, off again, over and over and over. And then finally, when we got to college, we decided we're gonna call it quits, we're gonna go our separate ways, and we're gonna date other people. And um, you, know, you know, we tried kind of doing that, but then off and on, we would send each other text messages at birthdays and holidays. And anytime we'd come back from college, we would somehow you know, end up being in the same coffee shop at the same time, just catching up. And um, this lasted for about two, three years until finally I just said, you know, I think we need to like define the relationship. Are we really friends or is this something more? To which Jonathan said, you know, I, I, th- I think we're just friends. And I was like, oh man, I kind of was hoping it was gonna be the other way around. That's okay though, I put on my brave, my brave face. I was like, okay, well listen to me. We've been going back and forth for years now, so I need to move on. So here's the deal. Let your yes be yes, your no be no, and if you ever call me again, I'll lose all respect for you as a man. That's my exact words to him. So I said, do not call me, do not text me, do not email me, do not write me a letter, do not show up in the same coffee shop again at various times. And so um, I gave him that ultimatum and we um, officially said, okay, we went our separate ways. About a year and a half later, I graduated college. I was working as a meteorologist up in Dayton, Ohio at the time. I was the, the weather girl on air, um, crazy part of my life. And I was sitting there about to go on air and my girlfriend, Brittany, was about to get engaged. And her boyfriend had told me he was gonna be proposing. So I had my phone sitting right next to my computer. Right before I went on air, my phone rang and I just knew it was Brittany. I picked up the phone and I'm like, Brittany! Like, congratulations. Like, I'm so excited for you. Give me all the details. Tell me everything that happened. And he was just silent on the other line. And then all of a sudden, I heard this, like, shaking voice. And it was, like, very deep and manly. And I was like, oh, this is not Brittany. And he was like, hey, Lindsay, it's Jonathan. And I was thinking, what in the world is this fool calling me for? Like, didn't I make myself clear? I gave him the ultimatum. And so I said what the only thing I could say or that came to my mind, I said, did somebody die or something? Like, why are you calling me? Like, what is, what is so important that you had to call me, right? To which he said, you know, I just, you know, wanted to see if you would just give me like one more chance. So I hung up the phone on him because again, I lost all respect for him as a man in that moment. 
and um, hung up the phone on him. And I picked up the phone. I called my brother, who is a Marine, a Marine in the Marine Corps. And I, I gave him a call and I said, hey, Andrew, I need you to call this guy and I need you to threaten his life. Like, tell him to never call me again. Tell him if he does call me again, you're gonna fly your F-18 fighter pilot jet over his house and you're gonna drop a bomb on it, okay? Like, that's what I want you to do. So my brother gave him a call, threatened his life, and then he called me back and he said, Linz, I'm so sorry, this guy is very persistent. He is very adamant about seeing you again. And he said, I did everything I could do, but unfortunately, he's like gonna come up there and he's gonna try and win your heart again. And um, so as you guys can imagine and how the story ended up going, who knows what kind of forecast I gave that night. I think it was sunny in 75 and I was like, there's thunderstorms and hurricanes on the horizon, you know, in Dayton. Ohio, of course, and um, that's how weather people do it. You know, we don't ever get it right anyways, and um, so I don't know what kind of forecast I gave, but um, you know how the story ended because this November, we will be celebrating 13 years of marriage. Come on, somebody. And friends, I know that is a silly illustration of a life interruption, I know that's a silly illustration, but I've also experienced interruptions in my life that have knocked the wind out of my sails. I've experienced interruptions that have brought me down to my knees. And I can just imagine in this room, many of you have had storms in your life or interruptions in your life where it has done the same thing to you. So I wanna ask us a question today, this morning, What do we do with the difficult, uncomfortable, untimely, and devastating interruptions in our lives? What do we do with them? These are what I call the real hard interruptions, the diagnosis that you never saw coming. Maybe it's the personal financial crisis that you're in. Maybe it's a job change or the loss of a job that's resulted in you having to uproot your family and move your family to a new place and start all over again. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or a friend, a close friend or family member who maybe broke your trust, or maybe it's a marriage that is barely holding on. These are the real hard interruptions in our lives, and there's no way around them. At some point of our lives, we live in a broken world, right? And so if you maybe experience an interruption similar to these things, maybe you're in an interruption right now, or maybe you're headed for an interruption. But what I wanna say to you this morning is that God is with you. And what I want you to remember, though this may be devastating news to you, this is not an interruption to God's plans for your life. It's not an interruption to God's plans. It may have taken you off guard, but it did not take God off guard. It might have come out of thin air for you, but it was on God's radar all along. He knew it was coming. He saw it coming. And I believe that God will use every interruption in our lives as an opportunity for our good. As Romans 8, 28 says, he works all things together for the good of those who love him, even the storms and the interruptions. God's timing is always perfect. God's timing can always be trusted. And friends, I believe every interruption is just an invitation for us to surrender again and trust God with our lives. 
Simply put, interruptions are an invitation to surrender and trust, to trust God in a deeper way, to throw yourself more fully and completely and surrender, to trust him not only to carry you through your circumstance, but to transform you through your circumstance into the image of his son, Jesus. And as I think on these real hard interruptions in our lives, I believe that today, this morning, that God wants to interrupt your fear and he wants to give you trust. I believe he wants to interrupt your doubt and give you assurance. He wants to interrupt your insecurity and give you security, your anxiety and give you peace, your sorrow and give you joy. He wants to interrupt your lives with the hope of Jesus in this season. Again, Jonah 1.1 says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. We just sang a song, same God. The same God that was speaking to Jonah is speaking to us this morning through this scripture. And I believe there are two things we can learn from these opening verses and the reality of interruptions in our lives. Sometimes, number one, we can't always see what God is doing in the middle of the interruption, right? We can't always see him or see what he's up to in the middle of it. It doesn't always make sense to us. But number two, we have to learn to trust that it is a part of God's plan for us and it's the story of redemption that he is writing in our lives. We have to learn how to hear him, trust him, surrender to him and obey him because of all, both of these things are were at play in Jonah's life. As we will see, Jonah could not just see God at work in the middle of his interruption. In fact, he was angry about it. As I said before, the commentaries say that Jonah um, actually hated the people in Nineveh because they were enemies of the Israelites. So God was telling him to go to a people he didn't like, people who maybe were oppressing the Israelites to go speak a message of hope and redemption to them. And we also see that Jonah heard the voice of God clearly, but he didn't wanna obey it, which led to a whole lot more trouble in his life. Friends, so many of us, we try and do it on our own, and it just leads to a whole lot more pain and suffering, doesn't it? So this morning, I want us to learn how to recognize God in the middle of the interruptions. I want us to learn how to, we can see him at work in the middle of them, and I want us to learn how to hear God, trust God, and obey him, even when it doesn't make sense. I'll never forget a few years ago, Jonathan and I were going through, we went through a major interruption when it came to our family and his work. We were graduating seminary, and uh, we were so excited. Our kids were about two years old and four years old, and we were living in Kentucky at the time. He was a youth pastor at an amazing church, and we had just got sent out by this church to be associate pastor down at a church in Georgia. And we were so excited for this new opportunity. So we packed up our bags. Our church prayed us out. We had already looked on Zillow for our, the perfect house. We were on our way down to Georgia to uh, make an offer on this dream house of ours. And as we were on I-75 going south, maybe on the Tennessee-Kentucky border, I think we stopped at a rest stop. I walked into the bathroom with the kids. And by the time I walked out, Jonathan was standing on the phone with just a white face. He looked white as a ghost. And there were, I could see a little bit of tears welling up in his eyes and he just said, babe, I have to share some news with you. 
and he hung up the phone and he proceeded to tell me the church we were going to be a part of ended up having a financial crisis and they had to close their doors. And the job we were going to take was no longer available. So there we were on the side of the road with no job, two little kids, no place to live, and we didn't know where we were going next. We had no idea what God had in store for us, but we couldn't see past the devastating news, the interruption that we had just gone through. In a split second, all of our plans changed. And so we drove south to Georgia. We ended up staying with our families for a couple days. And um, as we were staying with them, we called up some friends of ours, mentors of ours. And I'll never forget us sitting with one of our mentors and we were sharing with him how upset we were, how scared we were, fearful we were. We didn't know how we were gonna put food on the table, where things were gonna go next. And I remember him pausing and looking at us after he you know, encouraged us and he said, guys, these are the days where you learn to trust and surrender to God. He said, don't worry about the external. Worry about the internal. What does God wanna do in you in this season, through you in this season? Can you trust him with your whole life? Can you trust him with your family, your finances, and your future? And I learned how to trust God spiritually through many years of my life, but this was trusting God practically. And that was a scary thing. And I can imagine many of us in this room have been in similar situations where we've had to trust God to come through practically for us. And the provision part is the scariest part for us. But it was incredible because as we got on our knees every day, every night, as we surrendered back to God our lives, and we continue to work the process of looking for a new opportunity, a new job, God opened doors in the most divine way for him to get an amazing job with a church in Atlanta. And that church set us up to be able to come here to El Dorado Hills and pastor at Hills Church. God was faithful. He was good. And I look back on that season, friends, and I know in the moment I had little faith. I was scared, I was fearful, but I look back on it and I'm actually grateful. I'm grateful because God did a work in me that he could not do apart from the tragic circumstance that we were going through. I learned how to depend on God and surrender my plans to him. Again, not just spiritually, but practically. I learned how to see him and hear his still small voice leading us. Again, I learned how to trust him with our family, with our finances, with our future. And I learned how to be grateful because it drew me closer to Jesus. And friends, that is where we wanna be found, close to him. Again, Sometimes we can't always see God at work in the middle of the storms of our lives, but looking back, we will see his hand all over it and we'll be grateful for it. In those seasons, we grow and stretch in our faith in ways that only the hardships can facilitate, the interruptions can facilitate. So this morning, I also wanna ask us the question, how do we cultivate a heart that hears God in the middle of the interruption? How do we cultivate a heart that sees God in the middle of the interruption? I believe we do that by doing three things. And you'll see them up on the side screen. I believe we gotta get into his word. We gotta prioritize time in the word. 
We gotta prioritize godly community and we have to stay close to the cross. So number one, we have to prioritize his word. A couple years ago, we went to Israel with a group of people from Hills Church and it was an amazing, amazing trip. And one of our tour guides, she took us to an amazing location. I can't even remember where it was because we went to a thousand of them. But it was in Jerusalem and we were surrounded by these hills in the middle of Jerusalem. We were kind of in this valley and up on the hills there were flocks and flocks of sheep. There were maybe 100, 200 sheep. And I did look it up. I, I thought it was herds of sheep, but it's actually flocks of sheep. Um, so that is the correct uh, term. Um, and so I looked it up and um, hundreds and hundreds of sheep were on the hillside and they were grazing and there were all these shepherds around them. And then slowly but surely, I saw this shepherd call out to his, sheep, to his sheep, I guess. I didn't know which ones were whose. And he called out to his sheep. And then 20, 30, 40, 50 sheep just ended up emerging from the flock and following after the shepherd. I was like, what in the world? Like, how does he know these are his sheep? And I asked the tour guide that question. And she said, Lindsay, that shepherd he cares for those sheep day and night. He provides for those sheep day and night. He makes sure that they find food and they find water. He is their provision, their protection. They know the voice of their shepherd. Does that remind you of a verse? And it made me think of John 10, 27. And if you have a Bible, it'll be up on the side screens. But I love John 10 because it's titled, I am the good shepherd. And this is Jesus speaking to the Jewish people. And at the time, the Jewish people or uh, the Jewish shepherds would have understood what he was talking about. And he says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It's incredible, friends, when we prioritize the word of God. When we get into the scriptures this is his final word to us. It's amazing when we get into the word of God and we see him speaking directly to us. The word is living and active, which means no matter what you're going through in life, this book is completely applicable to what you are going through. You can apply it to anything. And God thought of everything you would need and put it in here so that you would grow in faith and you would grow and learn how to trust him with your whole life but we're not gonna recognize the voice of our shepherd if we're not in his word. It's incredible when I'm opening, again, John 10, 27, I've read that verse a thousand times and then I went to Israel and I saw it play out before my eyes and all of a sudden God spoke a new thing into my life. This word speaks to us, speaks to our circumstances. It's incredible, we have to prioritize his word and we have to prioritize prayer with him. The second thing we need to prioritize is godly community. Godly community. We say here at Hills Church that we are better together. And we believe it with our whole heart. We believe that actually we will not be who God created us to be unless we put ourselves within the body of Christ so that we can all operate correctly and function correctly. We will not be who God called us to be if we do not have a little bit of friction and have a little bit of encouragement from the people of God. Church is messy, community is messy. Oh, but it is for your good and it is for your benefit. 
It's so important that you're in a group. We say all the time that you learn in rows, but you grow in circles. It's so important that we continue to meet together and encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 24 says it like this. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, anytime Jonathan and I get into a disagreement or an argument, which never happens, um, Anytime we do, we have this agreement called uh, phone a friend. And we kind of have our own list of our friends that we've agreed upon that we can call and we can share the full gamut of what we're going through. And these people know Jesus, they love Jesus, they're for us and they love us. And these people are allowed to speak into our lives correction They're allowed to encourage us. They're allowed to tell us when we need to extend forgiveness or we need to go low and be humble. These people are God's gift to us and we treasure them so, so much. I also think we need to prioritize the Sunday gathering of believers. It's amazing what God will do in the middle of the preaching of the word. I can't tell you how many people come up to us and they say, Lindsay, did you know what I was going through? Or Jonathan, did you know what I was going through when you were preaching? It was like you were preaching directly to me. And we're like, we don't know what you're going through, but God does, the Holy Spirit does. And his word is living and active, remember? And when we preach his word, his, his word cuts, cuts to the crevices of our hearts. And it speaks encouragement into our lives. And so it's so important that we prioritize godly community so that we cultivate a heart that hears him in the middle of the storms of our life. The last thing that we need to do in order to cultivate a heart that hears Jesus, that sees Jesus, is we need to stay close to the cross. We have to stay close to the cross. First Corinthians 2, 2 says, and this is Paul speaking, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. The clearest thing that God has ever said to you is found in the cross of Jesus. Do you wanna know what God is saying to you every minute of every day? Through the cross, God is saying, I'm not only interested in your life, but I'm personally invested in it. The cross is saying, I'm not a disengaged God, I'm Emmanuel, God with you, and I will never leave you. The cross of Jesus says, I am compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. The cross says, you will never be too far gone for my love. I died for you, your sin, your struggles, and your strongholds. The cross says, I can redeem any situation. I want to give you freedom and joy and hope and peace and life abundantly. The cross says, you are valuable to me. You are precious to me. You are chosen by me. I delight in you. I see you. I know you. I'm for you. I forgive you. I love you. And lastly, the cross of Christ says, you belong with Jesus. You belong with me. Friends, the cross of Jesus is what we cling to when life gets interrupted by chaos and it doesn't make sense. 
The cross is what we cling to when we ask the question, why? Why me? Why this? And if you're ever doubting what God is saying to you in the middle of the most tragic and devastating interruptions of your lives, the cross is shouting loud and clear and reminding you that nothing can separate you from his love. There is nothing, even death itself cannot separate you from the love of Jesus. He is with you till the end. The cross of Christ speaks hope over every circumstance, over every situation, and into every relationship we will ever have. But the question for us today is the same question God posed to Jonah. Will you follow me? Will you trust me? Will you surrender to my plans, to my will for your life? Matthew 16, 25 says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Interruptions of life lead us to a crossroads in our faith. It's in these moments where we decide where we'll put our trust. Will we put it in ourselves, in our own strength, in our own ideas, in our own strategies for survival? Or will we put it in Jesus, the one in whom and through whom all things hold together? Friends, to cultivate a heart that hears him in the middle of the interruptions, we have to cling to God. We have to cling to Jesus through his word. We have to cling to godly community. We have to prioritize the Sunday gathering together of believers. And we have to cling to the cross. It's where we'll hear God in the midst of the interruptions and where we will find God working all things together for our good. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you will use even the interruptions in our lives for our good. We thank you that even in the chaos and the storms of this life, God, you are wanting to reveal yourself to us. You are wanting to show us a different dimension of your love, of your provision, of your care for us. And God, I pray when we find ourselves in the storms, in the interruptions, that God, we would not try and do it in our own strength, but God, that we would surrender our lives back to you, that we would trust you, we would seek you. Because God, we know through scripture that when we seek you, we will find you. And when we find you, we find everything else we need. We find our hope, we find peace, we find joy, we find endurance, and God, you transform us. Let us be a people that wanna be transformed, God, not conformed, but transformed into the image of your son. We pray all these things in your holy and most precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.